So, the spoken word and the power of the spoken word. I'm sure most of us who've grown up in church or even not in church have heard that our words are powerful and, and you know, that they can create and destroy. Um, God created the world when he said, let there be light, and there was light. And I think just as the word of God has power, so do our words. So I want to look a little bit more into that. And I've been researching the power of speech and the spoken word. And Mark Stevenson, who was from the Equippers Church in Auckland, who was here a few weeks ago, he's done his, just done his master's in speech science. And um, we had the privilege of just gleaning from him a lot in the car when we took him up to the airport and came back. And one of the many things he said was that um, in the area of speech scientists, scientists are only just now beginning to look at how when speech um, comes out of the mouth, it's an actual thing, but what happens then? It doesn't just turn into nothing, but actually speech, uh, when it comes out, carries sound waves, and those sound waves actually have the power to physically transform the world, not just affect our hearts and our emotions and, and how we think, but... Um, yep, sound waves actually affect the environment physically and I looked a bit more into this and apparently um, one scientist called, I'll get his name right, um, uh, he's a Japanese scientist, Dr. Masaru Emoto from Japan, uh, he's, he claims that positive and negative words actually have different vibrations and he's done some experiments with positive and negative um, words and the different sound waves that come out left different marks in um, matter in sand and grains and different things. Now, other, some, scientists, some scientists have criticised this man and said he didn't um, have enough experimental controls, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised because I know that, you know, words are powerful and regardless of uh, this experiment, I actually think the principle is really important that our words have power to shift not only in our hearts and our emotions but also to actually physically shape the worlds we are in. And I think it's... Um, Exciting that science is cluing onto that from a faith point of view. We know it says in Proverbs 18, 20 to 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. But I think it's cool if science is beginning to clue onto that because how great if we um, as a society can actually be understanding that and harnessing the power of our words to actually shape the world for the better. Okay, so another thing is Caroline Leaf, who uh, many of you might know, she's a neuroscientist and she's an incredible woman of faith and communicator but she talks about how our thoughts are actual proteins made of um, chemicals and proteins and, you know, uh, chemical matter in our brain. And I think it's so interesting that she's saying our thoughts are a physical thing that can affect our mind, body, soul for the better or worse. And then our words, as they come out, can actually also shape the physical world around us. So, again, um, Caroline Leaf has said that her research is actually relatively groundbreaking in her industry. So... Um, science is just cluing on, I guess, to what God has always known. Okay, so moving on. On the power of the spoken word, um, repetition is really important, and many of you might know this, but uh, different religions often use chanting and repetition of prayers to actually um, make sure that people remember things. In school, we go over our timetables repeatedly because we recognise the importance of repetition to actually, um, yeah, I guess, help us remember According to research, consistency trumps truth. Um, and apparently what we hear over and over again, we'll believe, even if we know the truth says differently. And again, research has shown that an advertisement that has a weak argument, if it's played two times, is more, pers more persuasive than uh, adver 
advertisement with a strong argument that's only played once. So I think that's really interesting. Repetition is powerful. And how often do we repeat negative things about ourselves and not so much positive? So may we, I guess, learn to speak a little bit more positive of ourselves and those around us. I know for me, when I was young, the Bible verses I learned at kids' church, we'd repeat them over and over again, and I can still recite them. And I encourage you too, if you maybe don't have a few favourite Bible verses, to pick a few and then go over them and, and just learn them and maybe even say them daily if there's something particular that really encourages you and just see how it affects your day or how it affects your mood. And I really think you'll find it affects your day positively. And so I think this also means, husbands, you should make sure you're complimenting your wives daily because then it's really going to go in. Um, no, and vice versa. May we be encouraging one another, wives encouraging husbands and just all of us here encouraging one another. You may not feel like a positive person, but I encourage you that you can actually learn to be one and you can train yourself to be positive. And I'm just going to read this little quote. I love Bobby Houston and this is her book, Stay the Path, and my beautiful picture from Taj as my bookmark. Um... But she says about this, about learning to be encouraging. Um, I believe encouragement is a learned discipline also. We can choose to bring a little ray of sunshine into the room or we can be a killjoy grumpy pants who walk the grey clouds in. How lovely to be the one upon the path who is endlessly encouraging. The one who will always say, you can do this, you got this baby. I've got people in my world exactly like this. But they weren't necessarily born with a happy gene. For the most part, they've chosen encouragement and joy as a discipline within their daily discipline. Growing up, I tended to be slightly pessimistic about life, mainly because I had a fear of being disappointed. I didn't want to hope too much for fear that something I hoped for would not happen, but in Christ, those death dynamics were replaced with life dynamics. Can I remind you that Jesus came to give life and life in abundance? See John 10.10. 10. So among your friends, become the fun master, the social secretary, the instigator of joy and encouragement and the one who always sees endless possibility. It's not superficial hype, it's faith in motion. And in case you haven't been told lately, you're amazing and wonderful, I'm telling you now. You are amazing, capable, intelligent and well able. You have within you the capacity to be a well of life and an oasis of joy on this glorious path home. Such a beautiful quote and I encourage you to read, actually I need this, sorry, for one more thing. Um, I encourage you to read that book if you haven't, but she talks about how she wasn't a naturally positive person and most of us know Brian and Bobby Houston is incredible now and look where they're walking, but they've obviously, um, Bobby's had to learn some things there and she also talks about how crucial it's been on her journey to have those around her encouraging her. So I want to encourage us this morning, if we don't feel like uh, we're a natural encourager, that we can learn that and we can rewire the way we think and speak. And if you are struggling with that, hang around encouraging people. And um, I think it will bring life to you and it just, it'll rub off on you. Speak, and not only, I guess, may we learn to be encouraging and speak good things over ourselves and over one another, but speak to your circumstances. Some of you might have read in the Bible in Joshua 6 when the army of Israel shout at the walls of Jericho and they fall down. And, you know, God was involved in that, but how amazing God used their spoken word and their shout to actually see the walls come down. Uh, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were in prison. As they sang, the prison gates and walls came down. And again, songs, spoken words, speak to the walls in your life that you see breaking. And if you haven't heard of those stories, read more of them in the Bible and they're really interesting and really cool. Okay, so what's the point of all this rambling? Um, it's to encourage 
each of you to harness the power of the spoken word. And, and how do we do this? Firstly, we recognise that the spoken word is powerful and actually has power to shape not only, um, I guess, the atmosphere, but also the physical world that we live in. And as we recognise that the power of life and death are in the tongue, then we can utilise it as a weapon. Speak life over yourself and those around you. Um, positive words create sound waves and energy that shift the atmosphere. And I think this goes without saying, but just in case it doesn't, not only may we learn to speak positive, but may we also limit negative talk. And it's not rocket science that negativity is toxic. And how many of us know people who are just like, I'm sick, I'm tired, life's hard, they're just always complaining. And who knows that probably their negativity is making them sick or sicker than they already were. It's a bit of a vicious cycle. So may we break out of negativity. I know it's something that Josh and I often struggle with. If we're finding ourselves being a bit negative, uh, we'll pull ourselves up and uh, like we started this, this thing now. We're in the car the other day and Josh has been grumpy, as usual. No. <laughs> and I was getting negative about his grumpiness and it was just like we were feeding off each other. And then we said, okay, let's do this challenge. No negativity and the first one to be negative has to mop the floors. <laughs> Josh always loses. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it's, it was, it's really interesting when you do that, how much you don't have to say. <laughs> um, or you just learn to say positive things. But it really does affect your day. And so I encourage you, be practical. And if you're finding negativity, and even if it's husband to wife or friend to friend or mother to child, whatever it is, find someone to do it with. And I think um, it's fine. And you'll just see how it affects your day for the better. Um, and as Bobby said, it's not superficial hype. It's faith in action, being positive. Okay, so before I close out this section, I want to touch on negative self-talk or self-criticism especially. Um, I keep getting confused because I've put my notes over here and I'm going backwards. Okay, sorry. Uh, so I simply want to say on that, stop saying negative things over yourself. Uh, as I said earlier, what you speak repeatedly is more persuasive than the truth. And so if you keep saying things to yourself, you're gonna believe that even if it's not the truth. Start replacing the negative speak with good things, positive things, instead of I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm not gonna make it through school, or there's no hope, or there's no future. Start saying great things about yourself, that you're clever, that you're beautiful, that there's a hope, there's a future, you've got what it takes, you have nice eyebrows. Um, <laughs> Whatever you want to say about yourself. Um, and as I said earlier, start reading some scriptures out. Um, God is for me. Who can be against me? I'm more than a conqueror. God created me fearfully and wonderfully. I am his masterpiece. I am created in the image of God. Read them daily and let them go into your heart. And maybe reading them for a day or two or three might not affect anything. But if you keep reading them, maybe um, oh, Caroline Leaf talks on how long it actually takes to retrain yourself. How long is it? 21 days, 63 days, all three lots of 21. So find a verse and see if you can read it for 63 days. It's a good challenge. Um, but yeah, that repetition in the Word of God is powerful. Because um, who knows we are God's masterpiece and some of us just don't see that. We can be our own worst enemy. So I just want to show a little video on that and it's just on, on the greatness of God and, and the greatness of who we are and I just think it's really encouraging. So thanks, Ryan.
A guy came up to me the other night, right? And he was like, who's your favorite artist? And like most people do when they ask a question, he didn't really care about my answer and proceeded to tell me what he thought the true answer was. And he continued about his struggle to recognize who he said was the greatest of all time. He said, I mean, is it Shakespeare? Is it Frost, Picasso, Michelangelo? Is it the Beatles, Rembrandt, Michael Jackson, Beethoven? And he went on and on and on about who he thought was the greatest, not recognizing even his infrastructure to answer that question was misled and outdated. And so finally, I kindly smiled and said, okay, sir, you asked me who is the greatest of all time. Now you tried to share yours, so let me share mine because there's no debate about who is the greatest because all those other artists you mentioned, yeah, the greatest made them. And see, this artist, he's a beast, a lion, the name above names. You don't even realize it, but you encounter his art every day and he deserves all of the acclaim, he deserves all of the fame because all other artists pass away, but he remains. Oh, by the way, his name is God, Yahweh, creator, your maker. He's infinitely creative, sir. There is no one greater. And, and I can tell it looks like you're starting to get mad at me, but don't be jealous just because your favorite artist might bend words and my favorite artist bends galaxies. See, in the palm of his hand, he holds all the sand, the author of life, when he whispered, let us make man. See, what if I told you that you are God's poetry? You were created because someone else was creative. See, long ago, he picked up his eternal paintbrush, dipped it in his glory, placed us in his story, and said, they will live for me. And I know it sounds outlandish, but we're not the product of random chances. And in fact, we're not even the vine. We're actually the branches in the same way we're not the artist, we're actually the canvas. Because in an instant, God started to make art shape you uniquely and beautiful individual from the start. And he touched the canvas of flesh and said, this one is better than the rest. I'll give him so much of my image. So even when they're hot off the press, you can still see the steam of my breath. And so he crafted and he made every arm and leg, ligaments, tendons, muscles, blood vessels, veins, arteries. He said, they're going to have a part of me. And about that time, the guy butted back in and said, that sounds good and all, but I'm wretched and filthy. God won't use me, will he? And I said, ah, see, that's what's awesome about God. No matter what we've done, he can still use us. Even though other artists, once they have broken equipment, they start to make excuses. God instead doesn't refuse us and neither does he accuse us. He redeems us in Jesus, promises never to lose us. So stop saying that you're dirt. Stop saying you're scum of the earth. You ought to be careful about how you talk about someone else's work. Because if we've trusted in Jesus, we can stop saying we're filthy. I mean, all that is anyways is just pride clothed in false humility. I mean, if we only believed that were truthfully created in his likeness. Then we'd stop saying we're wretched, filthy, shameful, guilty, but instead knowing if we trusted Jesus, we're righteous. I mean, don't you see we're drawn to repentance because of his kindness? So how dare you call yourself worthless when he says you're priceless? But see, the best part is since God is ultimately for God, he'll get glory out of you, whether you like it or not, because even temple ruins point to an architect, even if the temple is shot. And all I'm saying is that he's behind it all. So why do we insist on giving him no credit at all? I mean, he's the one that gave Van Gogh the imagination that changed the face of painting. Tell me who else is responsible for Mozart being able to compose at age five without formal training? See, he made the fingers that Beethoven used to make art on the keys. For Pete's sake, he made Stevie Wonder, one of the best musicians of our time, and he couldn't even see. 
And that's why in the same way that our lives are borrowed time, this poem is borrowed lines, because the most ridiculous statement we could ever say is that this poem is mine because we're not self-sustaining, no, we're not self-creating. Technically nothing we do is original, we're just imitating, and that's not a diss. All I'm trying to say is this, even our own creativity is nothing more than an outflow of his. And so I'll end with this. You know that quote about giving credit where credit is due? Well, if that's true, it's about time we give God his rightful credit too, because he's a God in the business of making old things new, and here's the truth, he's not through with making a masterpiece of you. Awesome, how cool is that guy, Jefferson? I'm gonna show another one of his clips in a minute. But don't diss yourself, you're God's masterpiece. And I love how he called us God's poetry. Uh, and what is poetry? It's words, and we're God's words to a broken and hurting world, and we're the poetry that's representing the love and image of God, and I just think um, it's beautiful. So I wanna follow on a little bit of this, um, speaking on the spoken word and us being God's masterpiece. Uh, I just want to finish by speaking to one more thing this morning, and it's the notion of perfection. Um, who here is a perfectionist? Me, guilty. Um, and I think it's okay to strive to do things well. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a fine line. If we're striving for perfection, um, and it all comes crashing to the ground, what happens then? If you're anything like me, you'll probably feel like a failure. Um, and so the truth is, if the goal is perfection, we're always going to be disappointed because we're not meant to be perfect. Um, so I'm working on that one. And yes, we are amazing and we have what it takes and we're beautiful and we're God's masterpiece, but we're not perfect. And it is meant to be that way. Where's the need for God if we're perfect? And where's the fun in that? If we're all perfect, I think life would be quite boring. I think our imperfections add color and character to each other's lives. And again, I'm just gonna read one of Bobby's quotes on this, on just how our imperfections actually enrich our lives. Um, just bear with me a minute. <clears throat> so again, from Bobby Houston. Imperfections within everyday family life are what makes family so colorful, crazy, and beautiful. They make us who we are as the human race, and in the broader sense, they are what allows grace in all her glory and all her glorious attributes something to walk upon work upon your imperf our imperfections attract the perfection of his goodness and our weakness are what makes his strength so remarkable and i'm sure we all know that but it's just great to be reminded of that and in a faith sense it's actually a religious mindset that says you have to be perfect to be loved or accepted or you have to be at a certain standard to um, measure up to what god requires of us and if we aren't perfect, then we've failed and we're dirty, we're useless, we're trash, we're worthless, like Jefferson said, um, which isn't true. And I just feel that this morning there's a bit of shame around this, that perhaps there's some people here who have just been trying to measure up and have been failing and they're just feeling really discouraged. And I feel that God just wants to lift that off this morning because it is a religious construct and none of us are perfect and, and that's the beauty of life and faith and that's how it's meant to be. And... Um, I think there's always a temptation if you feel like you've stumbled or you're struggling to run and hide. And I also think that um, that's part of the religious construct and it's garbage. Um, 
I guess we think we better hide or people will see the real truth about me. And um, the truth is that if we actually share our struggles with, with one another, we'll be helping one another. And yes, yeah, so may we not feel that we need to hide or not let others see the real us because that's religion. And relationship says you can be vulnerable, you can be who you are and God's going to love you um, no matter what. So if you've ever felt like that, that you need to actually hide what you're struggling with, which I'm sure we all probably have at times, maybe shake that off if we're still struggling with that. I think God is wanting to break us free of our own mindsets this morning. Um, Yeah, I don't think hiding ever helps anything, really. And often, yeah, bring our struggles into the light is important, but also telling someone, telling a trusted friend is really key and someone who will help us um, overcome whatever we're battling. And I just think I've found in my life as I share with someone what I'm struggling with that actually the struggle seems to lose its power. And while I said earlier that I struggle, hang on a minute, I just need a drink break. My mouth's getting a bit dry. Give the person next to you a high five. Make sure you're all awake. Is everyone still with me? (laughs) So I said earlier, I struggle with perfectionism. I don't think, as far as I know, but God will probably test me on this now I say this, I don't struggle so much with sharing um, my the areas that I'm struggling with with other people. I'm quite okay with saying to someone, I'm struggling with this. And um, I'm okay with being vulnerable because I guess I recognize the power of it. Um, I recognize how much it's helped me in the past. It's so liberating just to share, hey, I'm struggling with this and I need help. It's a trap that tells you don't share or you'll be exposed as it actually covers you. Uh, so I want to share about a time in my life that this really came home for me, a time that I guess, um, yeah, I learnt this and a time I still remember. So when I was younger, when I was about, I think from the ages of about 14 to 18, on and off, I had an eating disorder. Um, I was anorexic and I was almost hospitalised. I know you wouldn't know now. <laughs> Taj the other day said to me, are you pregnant, Mum? I said, nah, <laughs> that's just my love for cake showing on the outside. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway... God's healed me and like he's so amazing and life's so good but back then my life was a mess and I think at the time I was on kids church I was running kids church with Tom and Tom Foley and I think we were like 15 and 16 and we were doing an awesome job of course um we loved it I was in youth leadership I was on the worship team doing a lot of different things and I just remember um in that time when I was anorexic I actually had to talk to different people and tell them look I'm struggling and I just I can't be on leadership anymore I need to have some time off and get my life together and that was a really hard thing to do at the time I was really nervous because I'm like what are they going to think of me you know I'm the pastor's kid and I guess um they're people who I thought highly of fellow leaders but also deep down I think I probably wanted them to think highly of me and so one time in particular hey I needed to talk to Tom and tell him I couldn't do kids church with him and I think mum and dad who were the senior ministers at the time and said look uh, we can talk to Tom for you if you want, or do you want to talk with him? We can come with you, whatever you want. And I said, yeah, I'll talk to him. You guys come. And I just remember, like, I was so nervous to tell Tom because I just was like, we were, we were just in ministry together. And I just felt like I was letting the team down and I was a basket case. And, uh, but anyway, as I just said to Tom, look, I'm struggling with this. Obviously, I'm anorexic and that, I couldn't hide that. And how often, on a side note, do we think, <laughs> no one knows what we're struggling with when it's completely obvious. I think we're trying to hide it, but everyone else can see it. And really, it's... Um, just we need to let it out and then we'll feel a lot better. But I remember telling Tom and he was so supportive and so loving. And I just thought, 
what a religious construct is it to tell us to keep our struggles to ourselves? That everyone's going to judge you, that no one's going to like you. Where when you share, everyone's just going to love you more and support you more. And it was the same as I talked to different people. The church family was so supporting and loved me through that time. I guess um, one of the ways I knew I was in a bad place too, uh, relating to Tom, we'd gone to a kids' church workshop training thing um, a little bit before. Uh, this kind of time and I remember Tom was just like playing this Christian music praise and worship and he was just singing his heart out I just found it so annoying <laughs> and um, just hated I'm like ah oh. but I think um, in hindsight that um, my pain and brokenness was highlighted in contrast to this man over here who had his life all together walking with God so strongly and I just remember that and I'm conscious that maybe there's people here this morning that might feel like that. You might feel like you're struggling and you're looking around at everyone's passion and joy and it's just making you feel worse and it's making you feel like you want to run. And I just want to say to you, don't run because this is exactly where you belong. And rather than the joy and the passion of others making you feel inadequate, may it give you hope that the season you're in is temporary and that you can also feel the same and it won't be long until you are feeling the same and as brighter days ahead and, and Tom's passion as annoying as he was and he's not here so I can say what I want um, it didn't drive me away um, I love God and the house and the people here too much to let it drive me away and also I wanted to help people um, that was like all I wanted to do with my life was to help others find God and, and find what I had found and I knew I couldn't help others if I couldn't even help myself so I had to get better and um, I, didn't, I knew that uh, part of my healing was found in staying connected to the house. So I encourage you, stay connected. Fight for that because it will be your healing. Um, and lo and behold, one of those people um, that just loved on me in this time was my incredible husband, Joshua. Drum roll. Um, <laughs> uh, he was just a friend then, but he did walk with me through some of my darkest days. And he was nothing but a gentleman. He treated me like a princess and... As we started dating, he just loved me so purely and generously and with great honour. I guess he could have tried to take advantage of me in that time because I was vulnerable um, in any sort of way. But he was so honouring and respectful. He didn't even kiss me until we were engaged. And maybe for some that is extreme, but it worked for us and it helped us stay the path. We then had an 11-month engagement and it got hard. Once you get physical, it's hard to keep boundaries. So I'm glad that we actually didn't kiss until we were engaged. Um, but Josh was so committed to loving and honouring me as a woman that he showed self-control. And who knows for a man in his late teens, early um, adulthood years, it's not easy. Um, I know many of you ladies out there probably have similar stories with your now husbands. And there's no condemnation if this isn't your story. It's never too late to start making different choices. Uh, and if this was your past but it's no longer your journey, God's grace covers that and I don't really know why I'm saying all of this I was going over my sermon last night and just felt to add all of this in um, but maybe it's for this for you younger men um, who are in the building this morning uh, in a world that's so over sexualized and we're sleeping around is just what you do from a very young age it takes great courage to go against the grain and not give in to the pressure of society one your peers secondly let alone navigating raging hormones which we all know is um, a very real thing for teens Mark Stevenson, who was here a few weeks ago, who I spoke about, who's the speech scientist, and he also works in juvenile justice, he said, men these days are growing up in a very tough world. Ten years ago, maybe more or less, you had to work up the courage if you wanted to look at porn. You had to go into a shop and ask for it, and even that, you know, 
for some that was a barrier. These days, young men have porn at the click of a finger on their iPhone. How much is our world screaming to our young men, also our young women, to compromise? It takes a lot of strength and courage for them to go against the grain. But I want to urge you, young men and old, but particularly young men, to choose purity, um, to choose to honour the women in your life. Don't degrade them. Josh and I believe that sex within marriage is God's best and um, God's best for you. It's not that he wants like, to restrict us. He wants the best. And um, we can talk to you more about why that is. It's a lot, that's a sermon in itself. We'd love to talk to you more about that if you want to know more. Um, so hang in there if you're young and you're not married and, and you're like, battling all those things I said, peer pressure, societal pressure, raging hormones. If you wait for God's best, you'll be so blessed. And um, I guess um, society might not agree with the way we see things, but it's not our job to force our views on them and we just lead by example and, and love others and, yeah, maybe we just um, set an example, I guess. Just making sure. Yeah, it's not our job to judge those outside the church. Uh, a man in our church um, told us the other day that his daughter came home from school and she was like, you know, Daddy, I learned at school today that marriage is changing and you don't just marry one person, you can get married and divorced and then marry again and, like, you can marry lots of people in your life and, and so on. All the school was explaining how marriage is changing and, and this father said, he said to his daughter, you know what, honey, marriage isn't actually changing, just people's ideas on marriage are changing. I thought, what wise words. Maybe society's ideas on marriage are changing, but the way God has created marriage and ordained hasn't changed. And um, how vital that we do set an example for our kids on what a healthy, flourishing, God-honoring relationship does look like. Schools aren't teaching it. Um, society is probably not setting the greatest example. So it's up to us. Enjoy your marriage. Fight for one another. Enjoy each other. Christian marriage shouldn't be boring. It should be the hottest and most attractive thing going around. Let's give our kids something to aspire to. And again, and again it's not perfection. It's authentic, genuine relationship. Um, so guys, there is something worth waiting for. I hope you don't look at all us old married couples and like, wow. Is that really what we're waiting for? Uh, that's really good. Um, and returning to what I mentioned earlier about encouraging young men to stay the path, I know women also need to honour men and stay the path and show self-control. It goes both ways very much so. But I know for us, in our experience, and this might sound traditional, uh, but Josh was really the one who took the lead. And I think that is there's something God ordained in that, in a strong, whole man leading a relationship. And I think, um, yeah, it really was what allowed me to find healing. As Josh loved me and purely and covered me, I, I found healing. If he was trying to get stuff out of me for his own pleasure, I, put have, I probably just would have become even more broken. And, and what an honourable man he was, that I actually became more whole as I dated with him and rather than more broken. Um, choose wisely who you date, girlfriends and boys. And again, like we'd love to talk to you if you want to talk more about that. So this was all kind of... <laughs> backtracking, this was all on telling someone if you're struggling. This started with me saying how I had to talk to Tom and then it progressed onto my journey and Josh and I's journey. Um, but the point of it all was that I was scared to tell those around me I was struggling. I was worried what they'd think of me and as I shared what I was struggling, it just made things so much better and I felt so much lighter and it helped me find healing. And so, um, if you are struggling, share with someone and I um, yeah, and like I guess it's just going to 
uh, take the power out of it. That's what we're here for, to support one another. And I feel like there might be some here that feel like they're going around the same issue, that you feel like you keep falling in the same area and you're just feeling hopeless, like I'm never going to be able to overcome this issue. But I just want to encourage you that there is hope and nothing can ever separate you from God and you can never fall too far. Get back up, keep going. And I actually feel this morning that the grace of God to overcome the things where you felt like you just haven't been able to overcome is going to be fresh, it's going to be stronger and uh, it's going to break through on your behalf. And I just feel to say it's going to be easier than it has been. Um, discouragement is breaking, condemnation is lifting and you're going to find fresh hope and courage. You can do this. Religion tells you you don't measure up and never will, so why try? The truth is God has made a way for us to overcome, and that's Jesus. He took all of our sin and failures for us, so it no longer defines our sin. He gave us what it takes. You've got it. You can do this. So may that heaviness lift, and I really feel some of you are under this religious heaviness. May that lift right off of you this morning because there's no condemnation. Don't, you don't need to carry what Jesus already carried for you. What's the point in that? Um, Religion says, I need to make my way to God. God says, I've made a way. Just walk with me. And this morning, um, I'm saying to that stinking religion, like with the power of the spoken word, as I spoke about before, that it has no place in this church and it has no place in restricting you precious people here. Jesus hated it. I hate it. It restricts um, and robs from your heart, your joy, your relationships, your peace. And that's not God's heart at all. I believe that God wants to see some people set free from it this morning. You might not even realize it as religion. You might think it's truth. It might just be what you've grown up under, but I feel that God wants to reveal religion for what it is this morning. And perhaps, um, like I said, you haven't chosen religion, but it's been imposed on you. So may that lift this morning. And I'm going to show another clip from Jefferson because he says it better than I ever could. And actually, um, I'm going to get the band up just as the clip begins to play. That's right, we're going to sing in a moment. After this clip, I'm going to pray. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ryan. So powerful. Hey, religion is like spraying perfume on a casket. And um, as Jefferson said, Jesus called religious people whores. Jesus and religion are on the opposite end of the spectrum. One's the work of God and one's the man-made invention. And I love how it says, um, religion is bondage where Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind and Jesus makes you see. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man. And I just feel this morning that some of you have been searching and striving and maybe working hard just to have all your issues together. And God's just saying, let your walls down. Let your heart out. There's no judgment. He wants to see the real you. And as Jefferson said, he wants to get to the core, whereas religion just tries to hide what's going on in the core with all this facade and perfection. I think God wants us to let our walls down. Let's stand. I'm just going to pray. And I just really feel to pray that anyone who's feeling shame around any sort of issue, any struggle, would just find it lifted, that condemnation would lift, and that you just find a fresh grace. Uh, even if you talk to someone after the service or during the week or whenever, like I said, I encourage you to do that. I'm just going to uh, read this one verse uh, um, before I move on. And I just want to encourage us that, yeah, stop trying to live up to the impossible standards of perfection and just lean into the love and the heart of God. Um, this is from Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. 
in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How beautiful is that? So I'm just going to pray. And can we sing Good, Good Father? I'm not sure if you're already playing a different song, but you're onto it. All right. So God, I just want to pray for anyone here this morning that's just maybe feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders, feeling like they need to measure up to some sort of ridiculous standard of perfection. I just thank you that this morning some things are breaking off lives. That religious construct says you have to be perfect to be loved and accepted, that you have to have it all together. You just recognize it's garbage. And I just thank you that right now it's been exposed for what it is. May we know what it is to boast in our weakness, God, because that is when you're strong. I just thank you if there's any heart issues that you're wanting to get to in any of us, including myself this morning, that you will just go a bit deeper in our hearts. I thank you there would be no shame. I thank you that we here at Highway would be an authentic, real, genuine community. We'd be who you've called us to be. There wouldn't be any um, hiding or just religious airs. May we just know what it is to encourage one another also. Yeah, I just thank you that you bless these beautiful people and, and just encourage them as to how amazing they are.